0: I'm walking back from class and it is pouring rain. We're supposed to have practice. It's that gushing rain. It's like you're not doing anything. Our dorm room was on the eighth floor. I go up to the eighth floor. I put all my stuff down. I look out the window and I see on the north side of town just spinning. And I'm like, I have never seen that before in my life. That's a legit tornado. Life in the time before cell phones were attached to you. I left my phone in the dorm in our room and just went downstairs and so everybody is trying to call me like where are you are you okay and we finally got back up to the room and it's like oh sorry about that guys i am alive don't worry
1: <laughs> yo it's luke and this is a new episode of golf homies we say the word homie a lot at l and and to us the meaning is simple a homie is someone you feel at home with whether you just met or have known each other for years. Oftentimes, golf is that connector. Have you ever felt fear for the future, scared of the unknown? Maybe it's not due to facing a literal tornado, but if it was, Martha is someone you'd want around. Furthermore, she's a deep thinking, brutally honest, yet big hearted soul, and a heck of a golfer to boot. Her journey to present day is one full of ups and downs, a Don nicknamed Partha can attest. And like most tales of the sticks, there are lessons and laughs to be had. We're stoked to share our golf homie Martha's story, where we begin in the mountains of the Appalachian, the first place that golf was home.
0: The beginning of golf for me is probably as a traumatic a story as anyone can have. So I'm the youngest of three, and I was getting ready to turn eight in October, but it was, uh, it was the summer between how old you are then. And we had been swimming in the summers for like a year, but my dad's parents and my dad play golf. My dad plays more than they do, but my grandmother decided that she wanted us to go to the junior clinic at Black Mountain Golf Course. And my sisters did not want to go, and I was like... Seven and a half, I don't even really remember what my reaction was, but it was all kind of like, but swimming and practice, especially my oldest sister was like, I don't want to play golf, like, we have swimming. Black Mountain does not have a driving range, which makes this even more of a terrible idea. And there were probably 25 or 30 kids. David Ballard was the pro at the time. And I think a couple of the ladies from the Ladies Golf Association were helping. And so, you know, there's shag bags and buckets and all the things and, you know, like, all right, everybody line up and they come down the line, hit all the balls, you go out and you pick them up. Put them in the buckets or in the shag bags. Well, one particular boy that was a little bit older than me decided that, no, no, I don't want to pick up the golf balls. I want to hit them back towards where we were hitting them from. He had been playing for a little while, so he was a little bit more skilled. And I think he had a three-wood, which he (laughs) sculled right about the time that I bent over to pick up a ball. It hit me in the left side of my head, right above my ear. And, I mean, I dropped. It was like, I I don't know what happened. The next thing I remember is I'm back up at the clubhouse with a lot of adults and my dad has his beer can pressed to my head because no one could find a bag to put ice in and my mom hadn't gotten there yet and so the determination was a what do we tell nancy my mother because she's going to kill richard and b do we need to take her to the hospital (laughs) but apparently the determination was i don't need to go to the hospital because apparently i wasn't out that long i have no idea what that time was because I was unconscious. So, I did not play for a lot of years after that.
1: Take a little break.
0: A little bit. Until I was about however old you are between 6th and 7th grade. So, what's that 12, 13.
1: Mhm. 11, maybe. 11,
0: 12, I don't know. Somewhere between 11 and 13. I was in middle school. <laughs> and I sprained my ankle playing PE football in the spring. Kept swimming it never got any better. Ended up tearing four tendons. Couldn't swim summer league because my ankle was the size of a softball and black. I don't know why no one noticed it was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, nobody really noticed it was as bad as it was. And so finally my mom was like, we have got to take you to the doctor. And I'm like, it's fine. It's totally fine. No problem. And the doctor was like, yeah, you can't swim. And so that summer it was like, I cannot just sit here. And we had just moved to the house that my dad grew up in, which is on Black Mountain Golf Course. It, like, sits right behind 8 Green 9T, and there was this old set of clubs. I don't even know whose they were. They were in a Jones bag. I do remember that, and one afternoon, it was like, I cannot sit here anymore. I am so flipping bored. Grabbed the bag, and with my air cast, went and hobbled around and just started playing, and then eventually gave up swimming and started playing golf all the time.
1: Did you pick it up pretty quick?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, it was something that I could do by myself, and I am very stubborn, and I don't like not being good at things. And I was not great when I started. <laughs> um, I mean, I had played a couple of other times with my grandparents, like nine holes, but really, I they were just taking us to do something and like wasn't around serious, around yeah. like a golf cart ride right and maybe hit a ball here or there maybe putt a little bit um but my sisters were never interested and so we were when you have three children all 20 months apart it's easier if they all do the same thing and so since the other two weren't interested it was like whatever fine and I did, really didn't care and then it was the only thing I could do. And I was like, oh, nobody else is going to do this. Cool. I mean, I'd already been swimming competitively for years. And losing that competitive aspect of my life was like, I got to do something. So then I started gambling with the Ladies Golf Association.
1: <laughs> I was going to ask, did you, uh, <laughs> I know you obviously practice and play by yourself. and. Mm-hmm. Um, but was wondering if you had any other golf homies growing up that you played with.
0: Um, not my age. <laughs> um, my grandfather, one summer, he couldn't really play 18 holes. He had a lot of heart problems, obviously he was older. Once it got hot, he like, he won't, he really only ever wanted to play nine holes, even when he was in better health than he was when he was in his late seventies. He just, he was a nine-hole guy. Like, he just never really wanted to play all 18. And he took me out during the week one morning, and we called up to a twosome of ladies that were playing. One was Maggie Tuttle, and the other was Carolyn Lambert. And Maggie was a teacher, and Carolyn was retired. And I had known them my entire life because my dad used to take us to the golf course to get quarters for communion on Sunday mornings. He would get out one of his old cars and we'd go on a joyride and then we'd go to church. So I knew a lot of the golf course people and it was Maggie and Carolyn and we called up to him on five and you know, they knew my grandfather and so we finished the front nine with them and I was playing pretty well. And Maggie asked me if I wanted to keep playing and I said, well, yeah, kind of playing pretty well. And Papa, my grandfather was like, well, you all take her and, I'll go home. And that was the first time I broke 100. So, at that point, Maggie and Carolyn were like, you're gonna come start playing with us more. And I'm like, you're old. <laughs> and it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because they definitely made me learn how to behave. Uh, the first time I threw a club, I almost hit Carolyn in the back of the head and she promptly took the club away from me and made me walk in to the clubhouse and wait until my dad came and they finished and um i was grounded certainly and then they even grounded me from playing with them they were like no you're not going to get to play until we decide that you have proven you can behave
1: have you learned your lesson have you thrown another golf club since
0: (laughs) i can't say that i haven't thrown one but i have not helicoptered one for sure I was a beat the bag person. I mean, I was, I was good for a bag slam. Like I learned in junior golf not to hit the legs. Cause then like you got the warped legs and it's like, you're that person and no one's going to recruit you. <laughs> so I was definitely a bag slam person and I missed my bag a couple of times and caught myself right in the ankle. And
1: yeah, that's the worst hitting yourself in the ankle. <laughs> Everyone out there can definitely can, relate you to can't that. can't
0: react to it cause then it's like, it was definitely your fault. Um. So yeah, I learned pretty quickly to just internalize the anger, which probably isn't healthy either. But eventually, it goes away. I guess I don't know. I mean, I really have. I haven't been mad in so long that, or at least not about golf. I mean, I've certainly been mad on a golf course about other things, but not about playing anymore
1: yeah it's interesting how golf can uh in the beginning be a source of anger and then it down the road it's a source of relieving anger yeah in a lot of ways yeah so you played golf throughout high school
0: yeah um uh, in middle we did have a middle school team it was a co-ed team so i was on the middle school team my eighth grade year was the first year my high school had a girls team there were a couple of upperclassmen that really wanted to play, recruited some of their friends. It's a coach who was my coach. He was a coach for like 25 years or something. But he um, he said, well, they were on the boys team, but they were not the best. I mean, they were okay, but they couldn't really be competitive. And the girls program in North Carolina was really starting to pick up speed. And so he was like, find some friends. We've got some Underclassmen that are getting ready to be here, <clears throat> we'll get it started so the year before I got to high school was the first year of the women's golf team, and then um, I was on the women's team and practiced with the boys team in the spring.
1: That's awesome that they had a women's program. My high school did not at all. I think they had one female golfer who ended up just getting lumped in to the guys team,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah it's I mean, and especially then i mean er, you know I graduated from high school in two thousand three. And certainly in the junior circuit, I would say it's about 50-50 as to some girls didn't try to recruit any of their friends to be on, to have a women's team. They just were like, no, I'm going to do the junior circuit. I'll play on the boys team in the spring. Thinking it would get them more, you know, get a, a little bit more recruitment. I don't know, a little bit more visual. Hey, I played on the boys team. And I don't know if it helped or hurt. Um, I enjoyed it. I had a couple of my friends that... Like, one of my friends that I grew up with. I mean, same age. Our moms taught school together. She had never played golf before in her life. And was a relatively athletic person. But there wasn't anything... She was more of a basketball player. There wasn't anything for her to do in the fall. And she didn't want to play soccer. So... She was like, do you think I could play golf? And I'm like, well, I don't know why not. I mean, you're coordinated. Obviously not accident prone like some of us. Better chance than me. Um And was she great? No, but it gave her an outlet to keep her athleticism up, her competitive drive up. It introduced her to, you know, a different world. And I don't know that she ever broke 80, but she certainly broke 90 a couple of times our senior year and... She didn't want to go to college, but she learned. Um, And then there were a couple when there was another girl was pretty good. She was a year older than me. Her dad played a lot of golf, too. And then just a couple of others that their grandfather played and I want to do something, but I don't I'm not super athletic or I'm not super competitive. And I mean, it was fun. I mean, I had a blast.
1: Were you the number one?
0: Yes, I think I probably still hold most of the records at our high school. (laughs) (laughs) Our coach retired probably about five or six years ago, and our local paper called me for a quote or something. And, you know, they said, Well, Coach Knight said that you still hold like 75% of the records. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't even know I had them then, so I'll take your word for it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I I don't – they don't even have – I don't even know if they have a men's golf team anymore.
1: Do they still have a women's team or uh-uh. no golf team? The,
0: the last women's team was probably um, 2011 or 2012 maybe. Just not enough – well, some of it is lack of funding really. I mean – any high school golf team I feel like is
1: lowest on the totem pole
0: and the school very rarely is going to provide any equipment and what parent wants to look at their kid who's played golf twice in their life and be like, okay, let's spend $350 on a set of clubs that you might not ever use again, (laughs) or outgrow or they don't have the knowledge. Um, that was the, one of the best things about um, Coach Knight was, I mean, he was our speech therapist at school, and he played at Black Mountain, and he knew a lot of the people, and, you know, he would, if he had somebody that didn't have any clubs, he would try to find him a set, um, especially if they couldn't afford them, and he did a very good job with fundraising and, you know, tournament to help us raise funds for bags and uniforms and, and all that, and, there was a very, sh- at, specifically at Black Mountain Golf Course at the time, there was a pretty active membership. They were very involved in it, and they saw us practicing. I mean, it was the only place where we could really play or practice. And, you know, at the time, the guys' team was pretty good. Obviously, the girls' team with me and Jennifer. I mean, I went to state every year. Our te- we took our team every year. Um, so, I mean, there was a lot of excitement, and they were proud of it, and they wanted to help us. Um But then as kind of people age, they don't play as much, they're not as involved with the young people, so goes the the outside-the-school support. I mean, it's not like a basketball where four people can use one basketball. (laughs) I mean, um, so that was, I think that, and I think that's why golf as a high school sport is always going to struggle because there's just no money.
1: Yeah. How did you fare against other golfers once you started playing other competitors outside of your where you grew up?
0: We won, as a team, the conference championship my freshman year. I think I won an individual. Did I win an individual that year? I can't remember. Maybe. So we went to state, and we played Woodlake. Chris, who's our director of golf at Tobacco Road, he went to St. Aug in Raleigh, And so they played Woodlake, you know, they played down in that area a lot. And so we both have plenty of horror stories because we're very prone to the very gently extreme push, fade, slice, miss. And there is a lot of water on the right side of that golf course. And up until that point, I mean, I was competitive and I had competed and stuff and swimming, but like, I never nerves is not ever really a thing that I felt. Um, Excitement, yes. Adrenaline, yes. Like, we got this. Or I got this. Or whatever. But standing on that tee and playing the practice round, which I had never played a practice round before in my life. It was like a foreign concept. I'm like, aren't we just playing golf? And, you know, Coach Knight is trying to help us learn the golf course in one round. And I'm like, what the hell? What? Because we didn't have a driving range. Like, we just putted and chipped a little while and then we played and so now it's like okay you have a range and you warm up and you're like oh this stuff is the ah and standing on I don't remember if we were tea times or shotgun but of course there was water on the right and I mean I pumped I mean like I don't even think it crossed any land I think it just immediately was in whatever hazard and I was playing with a girl named Josie Shin Went to Pinecrest, whose parents had moved down to the area as a lot of parents from the Midwest do. They were from Ohio, moved down so that she could have a 12 month golf season. And she was a damn good player at like 15. You know, she's cruising around, not even working hard to shoot, you know, a couple over par. And I'm like, what the hell is happening? And I shot 90 something, which really in the grand scheme of things when I look back at it wasn't terrible but I was just so defeated and that next summer I played in my first like junior event and I played in the big eye qualifier at Pine Needles and it was in July so it's 8,000 degrees of course and I was paired with two girls one was from Raleigh and one was from Apex they were friends, and they were also good players. One went to Vanderbilt. I can't remember where the other one went. She might have gone to South Carolina. And you know, there. I mean, Pine Needles to me at the time was like, I knew all the hype. I knew about Peggy Kirk Bell, the U.S. Opens, all the things. And I'm like, oh my god! Okay, I never played in like a real tournament like this before. And we teed off, and I think I shot like probably 43 or 44 on the front and we're standing on the tee at the 10th with the water and the bunker and the tees we were playing were they were just at the very bottom they were still on this side of the lake and chris brady was her name and she's calling out scores and i'm like yeah that's what it was and she was like you know i know that this is just a you know first nine but you should really consider getting some lessons before you consider playing in one of these again and I'm like dude ow um then I don't remember I have no idea what I shot like not a clue not great not anywhere I mean lower third of the pack the next year I came back I played okay junior year which is when all the recruiting starts And I always played in the big eye because my dad's an independent insurance agent. Of course, I was paired with Chris Brady again. I I can't, like, our names are nowhere close. I still, to this day, cannot figure out how we got paired together so much. And she was playing some really, really good golf that summer. And I think I probably had about 48 putts that day. I mean, I could not make anything. It was, you know, those greens. I mean, like, you miss it in just the wrong place. And, oh, it was, it was a I wasn't hitting the ball that badly, but I was not missing in the right places. And anyway, shot 88. Lord have mercy, my dad was, he was about the color of a tomato. He was so mad. And because, you know, there's coaches everywhere because the north-south is around that time. The big ice, I mean, like, there's a hotbed of college coaches. You are making your debut, and I shoot 88. It's terrible. So the next morning, obviously, I'm in one of the first groups off and I'm playing with two younger girls They're two years, they were two years younger than me. One ended up going to Vanderbilt and the other one also wanted went to Vanderbilt and one went to South Carolina and there was just no pressure. I mean, I had played plenty of golf with them. We were friends and they, I mean, they both are still, I'm sure good players. Haven't really kept in touch. I'm not great at that. And my dad, was not there, which was probably a good thing. My mom was there who doesn't really play golf. And so, you know, she's just kind of following around la la land. Like, hey, you need to eat some crackers. You need to eat a banana. You need to get some fluids in you. And I just started playing out of my mind. Like, I think I shot 31 on the front and ended up shooting 68 on the day. And one of the moms was like, Nancy, do you have any idea what she just shot? And she was like, no. I stopped keeping score. I lost track when somebody did something and I didn't understand the penalties. And so I just stopped. (laughs) Um, She just shot 68. And my mom was like, Oh, is that good? And they were like, yes, (laughs) that's, that's good. She shot 88 yesterday and she shot 68 today. So that was probably my, like worst moment as trying to be a competitive player with you need to take some lessons and then to have such a dramatic comeback at the same place was is why Pine needles is still a very special place to me. But there are definitely places in my life where it's like something really bad happened and then, okay, a couple years later, we'll come back to that and revisit.
1: Well, I'm sure with that turnaround, there's coaches that took notice of that because to be able to shoot a 68 in general is going to catch eyeballs did that tournament lead to colleges reaching out or kind of what happened between high school and college for you?
0: Well, we've talked about the temper issue, which I mean, I didn't break things. I didn't throw things. When I get mad, I am definitely a withdrawer and the rage is on my face. And I've also not ever really been, I'm not a very outgoing person. I'm, very reserved it takes me i mean i'm a cat i'm a cat on the outside but really i'm a dog on the inside but it's gonna take me a minute to be a dog and that's hard that's a for, great yeah <laughs> i mean it's perfect. hard. it's hard for a lot of people who don't know me or trying to get to know me in a short amount of time to really see like who i am and my dad is a very verbose loud hard on me at the time because he did see my potential and obviously you know you have those dads my dad was that dad and so that dynamic I mean I was getting calls I was getting recruited but the dynamic between me and my dad certainly did not do me any favors um I was recruited by you know probably five or six schools in North Carolina that were offering me pretty good deals That I was considering Western, UNCG, Methodist, um, Wilmington, Anderson, what's just South Carolina, Anderson College, Um, you know, some other smaller places that I wasn't really considering because I really wanted to get the hell out of Dodge. Like I wanted to get as far away as humanly possible. And the Asheville Paper does a weekly spotlight on senior athletes that, you know, academic athletic performance whole nine yards and so i don't remember what week it was it was around the time of the state championships they did a senior spotlight on me and of all random connections in my life as some things tend to go the fraternity brother of the men's golf coach at uab had retired to the black mountain Asheville area got the newspaper, read the article, mailed it to him. He handed it to the ladies coach. She called me and was like, Hey, this is Kim Wilcox from UAB. And uh, just wondering, you know, have you made a decision about college? You know, you're getting ready to graduate, blah, 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 blah. It's a little late in the season. And my first response, my first question was, UA what? She said, UAB, University of Alabama at Birmingham. Never have I ever heard of your school, ma'am, but I am (laughs) absolutely not decided on where I'm going. Like, you know, Western offered me a great scholarship at 13th grade, and so she's like, well, do you want to come down for a visit? I said, well, yeah, sure, why not? I mean, like, if you'll have me, I'd love to see it. And she said, great, how about next weekend? And I'm like, okay, I mean actually, I don't even think I said, and Victoria will attest to this, I am terrible about agreeing to something and not like, oh, I probably should have checked in with somebody about that first. And so I think I said, yeah, I think that'll be great. Like, sounds good. And she's like, don't you need to check with your parents? Oh, shit. Yeah, I should probably do that. Yeah. I'll, uh, what's your phone number? I'll call you back. (laughs) So we went down, my dad and I went down on like a, I think we went down on a Thursday night some of our family friend lived in Gadsden which is about an hour and 20 minutes north of Birmingham so we drove to Gadsden spent the night at their house drove down the next day and did the whole thing I absolutely fell in love with Birmingham um she offered me a good scholarship it was six to six and a half hours away depending on where you went and I'm like Peace be the journey. Just give me that paper. I'll sign it right now. <laughs> so in like less than 10 days, I made a decision about college <laughs> to a place I had been once where I knew no one.
1: What was it like showing up for the first time your freshman year?
0: Um, slightly terrifying because, well, Birmingham is, UAB is more of a commuter school, especially at the time it was more of a commuter school. There were three dorms. And my roommate, who is also my teammate, did not get her paperwork in in time for us to get into the athletic dorm. So we're in. So, yeah. like the All the lo-
1: athletes that are actually staying on yeah. campus.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we are, like, in the lowest of the low of the housing because it's the only dorm that had any openings. Camp Hall, which we fondly referred to as Camp Hood. Because one elevator was always broken or something was flooding. The washer dryers never worked. It's where I saw my first tornado go through downtown Birmingham. The one nice thing about it was is that it was it originally was a dorm for the medical university. So it had a kitchenette, had like an actual living area and a bedroom that you at least had some space. So that part was nice. So it is of that architectural style that it's like, wow, this is one of the, and it it was, it was one of the original buildings. And you're looking across the street at the new athletic freshman dorm and it's like, "Hmm, I had a room over there. Now I'm over here. Thanks. We're going to get along. Great. Um, My parents were, my mother more so than my dad. My mother was terrified of the traffic. Because she was born and raised in Black Mountain. And then you go to Birmingham and you have traffic.
1: Yeah, what's Birmingham like? How would you compare it to Raleigh or just describe it in general?
0: It's pretty similar, actually. Um, I will say the grid system of downtown extends further out than in Raleigh. So that made it much easier to figure out how to get around. Um, But it it is more... Mountainous than people think. Like I imagined, this flat wasteland of red baked earth that was like you're more in South Alabama than in kind of the middle part of the state. It's right at the end of the Appalachian Trail. It's a very pretty city, um, and I was there for a lot of years after college too. So, kind of watching it change. UAB expand. There's a lot of green space downtown. Um, the I mean UAB is a med, you know has a med school there's a couple other hospitals so it's a very big medical central place Um, a lot of research goes on great food like any kind of food you could want Um, and very I mean for me living on campus that first year it's very walkable I mean I could get around everywhere I needed to go Um, good music like you really couldn't ask for a better environment
1: you were an English major
0: I was not a wise choice um <laughs> actually I really love the fact that I have an English degree now as an older person um my college career was I mean I don't put me in the middle of the pack I had to have shoulder surgery after my sophomore year um swimming apparently did some pretty extensive damage that I didn't know about and so I realized pretty early on that I wasn't going pro. I mean, I've played pretty well. I mean, my scoring average over the course of my career was probably around 74, 75. Some numbers bigger than others, depending on how the flat stick was cooperating with me or not. My college career was fraught with many, many birdies and eagles and many, many others. (laughs) There was not a lot of consistency. Um, but I mean, we practiced, I mean, we were fortunate that we got to play and practice a lot of different places. We played at Highland, which is right downtown. Um, we did actually have a short game center there, which was like, if you were looking for me, that was probably where I was. Um, not really a range rat, never have been. But that, the short game facility was like, oh, this is awesome. Um, so we played there a lot. We played both of the Greystone courses, Legacy and Founders. We played out at Limestone Springs some, which is further out. We played Farm Links. I mean, like, there are an infinite number of fantastic golf courses, most of them private, which they, had, they don't hurt for members. Um, Shoal Creek is probably one of my personal favorites. I really like the layout. It's a great piece of land. So I was also a boat ride intern for the Birmingham Golf Association for a couple of summers, and so kind of met a lot of the juniors, and some of those juniors now are Ferry. Some of them do have big tour status. Birmingham is a pretty golf centric I mean, there's a lot of consistent performance out of that area, um, which is great. I mean, their season is almost exactly like ours. I mean, January and February can be eh, but the other 10 months out of the year, no problem.
1: Also mentioned tornadoes coming through there.
0: Oh, yeah, it's Tornado Alley, man.
1: Because at Home on the Range this year, <laughs> you went into t- tornado mode and you'd mentioned. I thought
0: it was coming down. Like, I mean, it was so still. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> we are all getting ready to die in a pile. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was, was like, how is like, this is not what I need this year at all. There is a reason that I still get my weather from my Birmingham weather guy. <laughs> I still watch James Spann and follow him on all social media because if it happens in Birmingham, chances are it's happening here in four to six days. <laughs> um, but no, it's Tornado Alley because every all of the moisture and the high pressure stuff coming up out of the Gulf and the way the jet stream is, I mean, it is like a hot spot for um, for a tornado and like... Well, I was down there in 2011 when all the when Tuscaloosa got decimated and um it's funny I was actually leaving that morning, well, midday to come to to go to Black Mountain for my sister's wedding. And a good friend of mine at the time was also going to the wedding and I woke up that morning and there was orange lightning. And I'm like, and the sirens are going off and my dog at the time, Strider, I had rescued him from my golf course there and he knew the sirens and his thing. If he heard the sirens, he was hauling to the bathtub. Like you, the the door better be open because he's going in. And if he's not, then he's going through the door. Um, he was already in the bathtub and I'm like, what is going on? And I look out and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to die. This is terrible. And, I was about five miles from the path of one of uh, a tornado that took out Cahaba Heights, which is south of Birmingham. I was living in Hoover at the time. And I had to go to work. And the tornado that came through Tuscaloosa, we were tracking them all. And so the one that absolutely just demolished Tuscaloosa. My golf course was forty two miles north of this center of campus um i know because all of my members were huge alabama fans and they left on saturdays to go to the games and it was like it's 42 miles okay and so my boss we were gonna it was a wednesday or a thursday so we were doing split i came in and opened i was gonna peace out about noon go home get my stuff drive north pick up my friend and trustful which is on the way and we were gonna head on to black mountain mike got there early and we're looking at the storms and he's like you need to go because i had to go down towards suscaloosa to go back up to get to hoover and he said you need to go and i'm like yeah and of course at the time it's beautiful weather it's like 72 and calm and blue skies and hey are y'all open three tornadoes just came through here we're not open no and so
1: (laughs) i can only imagine being a golf pro (laughs) with the chance of tornadoes being a frequent thing or something like no with rain i'm
0: I'm looking at the storms and like i have like a three-hour window before anything else comes through here i can totally get no (laughs) there is shit all over the golf course no um yeah that got that call a lot When I got to the apartment, I realized I've not picked up my dress from the tailor. So I had to go get my dress, which is literally towards Cahaba Heights, which had just been hit that morning. And so there's all of this traffic. Like, I am the only car (laughs) going towards this area. And I'm like, this is about to be weekend at Bernie's. I Like, everything on this day is telling me, you are trying to die. What are you doing? Stop moving. And... About the time that I picked up my dress, the tornado hit Tuscaloosa, and it was coming straight up 59, which is the way that I went back to Black Mountain. I pick up my friend and trustful, we start going. Well, there was another line of tornadoes coming from, like, the Chattanooga area. So we're coming up through Birmingham towards Chattanooga on 59, which is right about where Sweetens is, which I did not know about at the time. Otherwise, I would have been like, let's stop. So as we are getting off of 59 to go through the Okoe Gorge,
1: which is beautiful, by the way, It is it's, uh It's one of the most prettiest sunsets I've ever seen in my life. If yes. you can drive through there, spend some time. If you time can get to a
0: high enough point, especially because I mean, like I went right through the middle of the gorge, but the, it is it, is it a turns red. Yeah, it's, it's insane. It's an and Chattanooga is a great city too, um, but you know you get off 24, which goes through Chattanooga. And he goes, you're on 24. Well, about the time that we're on the 59-24 split, whenever there is a tornado, it is like everything just stops. Like the air stops, people stop, there's no noise. I had this feeling, and I'm like, and my friend Megan was driving, and I'm like, Megan, pull over right here. And she's like, why? And I'm like, just, I have a bad feeling, just pull over. So she pulls off onto the shoulder, and she's like, her exit. I was like, shh, shh, stop talking. Roll down the windows, nothing. I get out of the car. I walk to just the side of the shoulder, I guess. Went down into a ravine. And I look out and just on the other side, there were no trees. There was apparently a housing development that had just been just gone. Like, Like emergency responders hadn't even gotten there yet. And I'm like... We are running from one damn tornado, chasing another, trying to get to weekend at Bernie's because I'm going to be dead and you had to put me in that yellow dress and prop me up for all the pictures or my sister's going to kill you and then come back and kill me for not living to see this day. And Megan's like, I'm not doing that. You are on your own. And I'm like, fuck. So that was Maryville, Tennessee, that got decimated as well. So we continue on our merry way and the whole way it's like, we're going to die. And it's like, we drove through four tornado paths that day when we got, actually got on to 6474, none of like that first intersection when you get off, there's a couple of gas stations, the Shake Shack, which you ever go that way, stop at the Shake Shack if it's open. They have like a 22 ounce milkshake. That is the best thing you will ever eat in your life. And it's like the only other bathroom for a lot of miles. Yeah, like, there were trees down, we're dodging trees, trying to get through the intersection, people are actually being sane, and I'm like, I never want to see this again. Which is exactly what I thought in 2003 in September, when I'm walking back from class and it is pouring rain, we're supposed to have practice, the entrance to a camp hood is down in a little hole, so that's flooded, because it's just, it's that gushing rain that's like, You're not doing anything. Our dorm room was on the eighth floor. I go up to the eighth floor. I put all my stuff down. I look out the window and I see the tornado on the north side of town just spinning. And I'm like, I have never seen that before in my life. That is a, that's a legit tornado. Then the sirens went off and I didn't, I had never heard the sirens before. I didn't know what they were. And I'm like, what does this mean? And so I looked, kind of peeked my head out in the hall, like, what's everybody else doing? And everybody else is going downstairs and so I'm like, well, guess I should go downstairs. Life in the time before cell phones were attached to you. I left my phone in the dorm in our room and just went downstairs and so everybody is trying to call me like, "Where are you? Are you okay?" And I finally got back up to the room and was like, "Oh, sorry about that, guys. I am alive. Don't worry." <laughs>
1: You have a playing career in college, studying English. Mm-hmm. What was it like senior year and figuring out what you're going to do after college?
0: It was terrifying. I mean, for pretty much my entire life to that point, I had never really thought anything much about what's the next step. And so this was 2007. The economy wasn't completely tanked, but certainly the, you know, written media was not hiring anybody. Magazines everywhere were laying people off. Um, I was dating somebody at the time that she was working. Southern Progress is the company that owns Southern Living and Coastal Living and all the livings. And um, she had worked there for a lot of her career had gone to another smaller magazine called Birmingham Home and Garden because she had gotten laid off at Southern Progress. And just because of downsizing. And so all of these people that I knew in that industry were like, stay in school, just stay in school. There is not a job right now for anybody that has an English degree. And of course I also minored in political science. So what the hell did I think I was going to really, Martha, political science and English? Well, creative writing, not just English, like not just like literary analysis or teaching. No, no English with a concentration in creative writing. <laughs> 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 I was like the summer after my senior year, I was working at the golf course just as a part-time person. Cause I still had my lease through August and I kind of got my first taste of like real being in the golf industry that summer. I mean, it was at the time, we had 350 members. We had a very active membership. It was very golf. I mean, all we had was golf. Golf, food, a little bit of food. Did a little bit of events, but not... I mean, you had outings and stuff like that, but no pool, no tennis, no... Very few kids. Um, you know, I mean, it was just people looking for a place to play golf. And it was a good golf course. Um, and so that was kind of my first delve into... Here is what it would really be like to work in the golf business. And I'm looking for jobs, kind of. My sister, my middle sister, went to Meredith and was still living in Raleigh at the time. And my family was like, you're going to move to Raleigh, you're going to move to Raleigh, you're going to find a job or you're going to go back to school or whatever. And I'm like, I'm going to move to Raleigh. I don't like Raleigh. I don't know anybody in Raleigh other than my sister. I'm not even sure if we like each other don't have a job I at least have a job here I have friends and I was dating somebody and like I really wanted to stay in Birmingham so again epic flash with my parents that I ended up losing I moved to Raleigh opened to the golfsmith like it was still a best buy when I started working there um and I'm coming to this new place where my sister has been established for years and we have always been competitive always I mean, we did turn a new corner in our relationship, which was nice. Um, I mean, living with her was certainly a new experience. I was here up until about the... It was not quite a full year. When Woodward Coffin Country Club, which is where I'd been in Birmingham, which no one knows about, even though it is technically the oldest. But they were looking for an assistant, and I'm like hell yes, sign me up, I am going back to the B-ham, take me home, sweet baby Jesus. So still dating somebody down there, so I moved back in 2008, and at that point, it was like, well, the economy started tanking, Print media certainly was tanking. And I'm like, you know, there weren't any real blogs or social media or there wasn't really anything. Like, it was still too new to know if it was viable. Like, everybody was doing it as a hobby. And it was like, well, this is a paying gig. I get insurance. I can play free golf. Like, I don't know if this is what I want, but here I am. And... I was there until January of two thousand fifteen.
1: I mean And that's where you did your book work and that's became where I did a PGA my book professional. work
0: and had way too many work life experiences. Somebody literally walked up that had been shot.
1: That sounds crazy. Yeah,
0: I know, right? Like walks we were about maybe a quarter of a mile from a gas station. Like literally they had to reroute the golf course when the interstate came through. <laughs> so it's right there um so he walked from this gas station I mean it was not the best area of town the golf course was one of the few things that was there and because there's no houses around it and the guy walks up and it was a busy it was a really busy day because we did a double t start and so he was there right at the flip time and so I'm like out trying to direct carts like hey you you're done this person needs your cart like I don't care. They'll take your stuff. Just get out of it. We need to clean it so this person can go. So I'm standing there with a group of members and here comes this guy, maybe in his 30s, maybe, might have been a little bit older. And he's kind of limping and we're all just kind of watching him and, hey, how can I help you? Does anybody know first aid? No? Like, what? What's wrong? Well, I've been shot. And as he gets closer, I'm like, oh, yeah, you've definitely been shot in the leg. And I said, I can call an ambulance. No, I've been shot. I know. <laughs>
1: Probably get that looked at. Like,
0: I mean, I think it's just a through and through. But I mean, like, if somebody could, like, put a band, like. I, was, I said, I'm a golf pro who has an English degree. I know absolutely nothing about gunshot wounds. All I can do is call you an ambulance. Well, you know help then. And he (laughs) walks off and I'm like, you've been shot. Okay. Yeah, that was was a doozy. (laughs) Uh, So I was there for a few years. I started out as our assistant. I ended up being our head professional as kind of the golf world does when things get tight. So do so do positions you take on more I ended up being kind of I mean general manager for a short stint in time I was our bookkeeper which is a terrible idea um I moonlighted as cart staff uh a bartender Wednesdays during winter time I was there for the card games and I slung beer like you would not believe so it got to the point kind of where I find it took me a very long time to finish my book work. Um, just. I was kind of, in, I was getting ready to go to a seminar when my boss at the time quit, landed me as an HP getting ready. Like I was between level one and level. Like I'd finished level one. I was getting ready to go take my level two book work like finish like all the tests and i'd already done all the book work
1: in my book work we mean actual book books like this was in the time of books for the pgm uh, accreditation the
0: the box that i got for my level one kit was about half the size of your coffee table when i mailed that thing in it weighed 12 pounds when i just the one 12 pounds 12 pounds i'll never forget it was so expensive i'm like i don't have the money for this is insane Um, so I had to put off my level two seminar for almost a year. Um, couldn't find, you know, by the time we were ready to look for an assistant, couldn't find anybody. I worked six days a week for almost six months with one day off. Luckily, my dog at the time could go to work with me because I rescued him from the golf course. So everyone was very invested in his life. Um, which was nice. And, you know, just the, the personal sacrifices of the work were not balanced. And in 2011, I reconnected with my now wife, Victoria, who lived here. And after a lot of years of like, what are we doing? I don't know. You live there. The whole long distance relationship is a pain in the ass. And... I finally reached a point in my career where I was like, I don't want to be in $40 golf. It's not bad. It's, you know, in a lot of ways, very rewarding. The people are great. You get to know your members and your regulars and all of the things. And at the same time, I was not being challenged. It was just a show up, do the things. They were perfectly happy with the status quo. And I'm not really that person. I'm like, I would like more. And I'm not really private club material. I certainly don't have the patience. I am prone to drop curse words at the drop of a hat. And I knew that public golf was where I wanted to be. I didn't necessarily want to be at a resort. And so as apparently big decisions in my life go, a place that I had never heard of called me in July of 2014 I'm literally watching the U.S. Women's Open and my cell phone rings and I'm like Sanford what the fuck is Sanford
1: yo thanks for listening to part one of Martha's story on part two be sure to join us to finish her tale to date where we talk about Mike and Martha's creative mark on one of our favorite 18-hole tracks and camping spots, Tobacco Road Golf Club. Until next time, keep spreading the good feeling that golf is home.